0: Hey, uh, as we open God's word this morning, would you bow as as we open God's word? Just bow in prayer as, with me. Oh, Father God, we uh, we ask you to help us listen this morning. We have been uh, marketed and advertised and spun and bombarded uh, by so much this week, and we need to quiet our hearts. And to let our hearts um, even beat slower, slow down, to observe some silence and some solitude, and to have our hearts recalibrated to hear from you, God. So we ask, God, that as we open up your word this morning, you would work by your Holy Spirit. You know each heart here, you know the hurts, you know the distractions, you know the hardness of hearts, the worries. And so I pray, God, in these moments, your word would penetrate uh, however it needs to for each person here, including my own. And we ask these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. I want to begin this morning by asking you a question, and I don't want you to answer the question out loud, but I do want you to answer the question to yourself. This question uh, is this. What has you unsettled or unsatisfied this morning? What has you unsettled or unsatisfied right now, this morning? It's been a repetitive theme for me as I've been listening over the last weeks of of men, as I'm talking to men, of a refrain of dissatisfaction at work Unsettled in career, unsettled with boss, unsettled with the role. Maybe you're here this morning, you're unsettled in relationships. You just don't have the the friendships that you would hope for. There's a lack of connectedness. Maybe for some this morning, you're just, uh, you're unsatisfied. You're just fighting to keep your head above water financially it's just a struggle, and every month, it's, uh, man, uh, just another $1,000 more a month, and we'd be okay. And you get that, that comes in just another $1,000 more a month, and we'd finally be okay. Maybe you're weighed down this morning with worry. I know uh, some are, worry, concern about your health, your heart, you're fighting cancer, Maybe your marriage is not what you hoped it would be. You're unsettled. You're unsatisfied. Parents, you've even raised the children. They're out of the home, and yet you still find yourself quite concerned about your grown children. They're wandering. They're spiritually lost. They're uh, disinterested in church or in spiritual things. If you don't have some type of unsettledness or dissatisfaction in your heart this morning, I just want to encourage you or someone around you to go ahead and check your pulse. <laughs> we all have it, if we're honest. A while back, uh, several months ago, I walked into a nice coffee shop. I was with Elizabeth. I was somewhat discouraged, somewhat dissatisfied uh, when I noticed framed in that coffee shop a quote of C.S. Lewis. It was framed on the wall, and I read that quote that said this. It said, you can't get a cup of tea big enough or a book long enough to suit me. What's C.S. Lewis saying? He said, "Ah, oh, he loves tea. He loves literature. He loves books. But there is no amount of great tea. There is no book that you can finish and put it down and say, satisfied. I finally found what I'm looking for. This summer, uh, we were able to enjoy, I was able to enjoy the longest vacation that I've ever had in my career. Three weeks of vacation, and it was great. We get some time on the beach. We had great family time, and I got back uh, into the grind, into the groove, and guess what? I realized it just wasn't quite long enough just a few more days, just another week. I did something this week that uh, I do uh, religiously about once a year, and that is I went and I got a massage. Can I get an amen? I mean, uh, some of you, I shared that with one friend, friend this week, you're like, eh, don't like it. Went uh, to, the, to the lady that massages my wife. I walk in and she says, I have you down for an hour today. And I said, an hour. And I got done with that massage and I thought, not long enough. <laughs> Those of you that know me well know uh, that I love books. Love books. History, Bible, theology books. Love books have probably a thousand books. Our family loves books. We're trying to be a reading Family, we probably have—we literally probably have twenty books checked out from the library in our downstairs. Uh, love books. Uh, I don't know about you, but I—I—I I've, I've, I go to half-price books, and I—I I never have the experience of walking through half-price books thinking, "Yeah, there's nothing here I need. <laughs> I've got all the books I, I want." Now, I've had plenty of experiences of walking out of half price, half price books not having bought something, but I've never had the experience of walking around saying, yeah, there's nothing here I want. How many books does it take to satisfy, to really scratch the itch that is in this heart? For you, it may not be books. It may be another round of golf. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Okay, I'm just going to might be another round of golf, it may be that next sales goal, it might be that next promotion, that next tier on the ladder, it might be that next $1,000 worth of income each month. But in each of us, if we're honest, if we're alive this morning, there is this insatiable thirst inside of us. And we are often, in various degrees and in various stages or seasons of life, unsettled, unsatisfied why is that and the answer that I proposed to you this morning the answer that comes from the scripture over and over is because you and I were built for another place our theme this year as a church family has been this one-word dwell And the truth of the matter is, uh, we were made to dwell with God. And if you were here at the beginning of the summer, as we kind of turned this series uh, for the summertime, at least we began this... Uh, Many series have dwelled deeply by talking all the way back in Genesis, where, where God creates man and he, he puts man and woman in the garden, and everything is perfect. His, his, de- his desire, his goal was to walk in fellowship with mankind. And so Genesis talks about God walking with man in the cool of day. There was perfect fellowship. Man was dwelling with God, and man and woman were dwelling together, satisfied and perfect. And then sin comes in. And from Genesis 3 to Revelation chapter 21, we are living east of Eden, outside of the natural habitat and dwelling place that God designed us for we were made to dwell with God and we have this faint trace this memory of the garden inside of us and we have those of us who have trusted in Jesus we have this foretaste we have this appetizer if you will of a banquet feast that is coming when Jesus returns but now There's always this longing for more. There's always this longing for something else. So bottom line this morning, here's the big idea, if you don't take anything else away, the bottom line this morning is that to dwell with God is our deepest longing and the destination of all believers in Jesus. To dwell with God is our deepest longing. It's what we're really looking for And it is the final destination of all believers in Jesus. Notice the qualifier there of all believers in Jesus. This morning, I I, uh, told someone else earlier in the week, this morning I have some delicious texts to take us to. Delicious. Man, they move my soul. My challenge this morning uh, as a preacher is not to expound these texts, not to explain them Intricately, but the challenge really is for me to get out of the way and to let you hear from God's word about this longing that you have, that I have, that will be satisfied finally and fully one day. So we are going to swim in scripture this morning, and I want to take us, I want to begin uh, by going to Psalm 27, where we see this hunger, this thirst for God from a man named David, who the New Testament says is a man after God's own heart. And we just have time to look at one verse out of Psalm 27. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Psalms. But Psalm 27, and we're going to look at verse 4, and I really encourage you to have your Bibles open. This, some of this will be on the screen, but I encourage you to have it uh, on your device or open your Bibles with me this morning. Psalm chapter 27, verse 4 David says this One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell, there it is, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? All the days of my life. Why? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing. David was made for one thing. You and I were made for one thing, and that is to be with, to know, to dwell with, to live with God. It's the one thing. And you see here in the passage, it is not only David's petition, but it is also his pursuit. He says, I've asked the Lord for it. But he also says in the next line, I'm seeking it, that I will seek A.W. Tozer says, it's the paradox of the Christian life, the paradox of the believer, that having found God, the believer continues to pursue God. I've asked the Lord, this is what I seek, what, that I may dwell, that I may live with God in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, David was used to, he was accustomed to uh, a temple and the Holy of Holies and the, uh, a literal dwelling place of God. And what? Why did he want to have his life centered on God? Why did he want this dwelling with God? The end of the verse: to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire, or some translations say, to meditate in His temple, to look on the beauty of God, to dwell upon God, to worship God for His beauty. Tim Keller says that religious people find God useful, but true believers find God beautiful. To look on Him, to worship Him, to spend time with Him. Well, Ross, David was in the Old Testament he didn't have the holy spirit indwelling him as we've been talking about in Acts we have the holy spirit of God so surely our satisfaction levels should be greater than David's well in one sense maybe but now let me take you to another great saint an example of the faith the apostle Paul flipped with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 2 Corinthians chapter 5 another one that we could camp out on for a long long time 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at the first, read the first six verses. But actually, uh, this isn't on the screen, but go back up into chapter 4 and look at verse 18, where Paul writes, he says, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What's been distracting us, disrupting us, dissatisfying us this morning, this week, it's not been the unseen things. It's been the seen things. But listen to Paul's struggle in chapter 5 here. He goes on. He says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, and by tent here he's talking about his body, okay? We know that if this tent, our body, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, we groan. And I want to encourage you, if you write in your Bibles, to just circle the word groan. While we're in this tent, while we're in this body, we groan. Longing to put on what? our heavenly dwelling. He's got the Holy Spirit. But while we're in this tent, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Verse 3, if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, while we're in this body, there it is again, circle it again, we, we groan, being burdened. Groaning. Now, groaning is not grumbling. There's a difference between grumbling and groaning. We find in the Old Testament as God leads His people out of Egypt, they're not groaning. They're grumbling. They're complaining. This is, this is not a sinful groaning. This is a, a yearning. The other verbs here, if you look back in verse 2 and verse 3, the other verbs parallel here are longing and a burden that no salary increase will fulfill while we're still in this tent we groan being burdened not that we would be unclothed but that we would be further clothed and i love this last phrase so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life isn't that delicious that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life Verse 5, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. He who has prepared us for this very thing and who's prepared this place, Jesus says in John chapter 14, he who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Let's stop there for a second. God has prepared us. He's put this longing inside of us that won't be fulfilled Finally and fully until we're with him physically in his presence. But what has he done in the meantime in this groaning? He has given us a guarantee. Some translations here at the end of verse 5 say, who has given us the spirit as a good deposit. Some of you might have that translation. The spirit is given to those who believe in Jesus, We've been talking about this a lot this year that the spirit comes in and dwells us to give us God's presence and power. We have a power that, a power within us, a hope within us that we didn't have before we trusted Jesus. But the spirit is not the total fullness. It's a down payment. You put a down payment on the house. God gives us a good deposit, a guarantee, a promise of something that will be ours. And so though we have the comfort and the hope and the power of Holy Spirit, we still, as Paul, groan. But we groan with a guarantee. It's going to be here. That itch will be scratched. Verse 6, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. While we're here, we're away from the Lord. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Underline faith. One author has said this. We are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. We are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. But we ain't there yet. We walk by faith, not by sight. That reminds me we walk by faith, reminds me of the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Flip with me now to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 8. This is the hall of faith. These are the heroes of the Old Testament. These are the guys that, and gals that lived by faith. I love Hebrews 11.6. It says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to please God, you got to have faith. It can be the faith of a mustard seed, but if you want to please God, you've got to have faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. So listen to the story of these men and women of faith. Look at verse 8. By faith, and I love one of my favorite verses here. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. You ever feel like that? I love that line. He went out not knowing where he was going. If you followed Jesus for any length of time, you you can probably identify that. That God has told me to go, but he has not told me where I'm going. But he obeyed and went by faith, not knowing where he was going. Verse 9. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents. Now, did we not just read about another use of the word tent? And these guys of faith, Abraham is living in tents, temporary. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10 Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Was he looking for the promised land, a strip in the Middle East? Yes, he had been promised that. But he was also looking for a heavenly city. Flip on down, go on down to verse 13. We skipped a little bit there, but verse 13 says this. These all died in faith, not, you I want to underline not, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Strangers and exiles. Immigrants nomads, foreigners. That's you and me, too. He's looking, they're looking for this promised land. They've taken hold by faith of these promises, and they died in faith, having greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that in this life, In the 80 years or however many years that God had given them, they were strangers and exiles on earth, never finally fully at home. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, Or seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. They could have gone back to Egypt. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. a heavenly city, but meanwhile we roam, we migrate, we groan, we're burdened, we're longing, longing for home. As I prepared this week, I had an illustration here of my uncle. My parents have been with my uncle who's been struggling with cancer for the last two years. They've been with him in Colorado Springs all this week. His uh, arms and legs atrophied, his stomach embellished. They got to see him, got to talk to him. And they left yesterday at 11.30 And somewhere between 8 and 10 o'clock last night, he passed away. And Uncle Roy knows Jesus, served Jesus, Navy chaplain for 30 plus years. And I've been preparing this message. And he's home. Home and whole, without sickness, without a longing, with no more burdens. And so the end of the story is Revelation chapter 21. Remember Hebrews 11, he's prepared for them a city. And Revelation chapter 21 comes after Revelation 20. Revelation chapter 20, you have a thousand years. You have the great white throne judgment. The end of chapter 20 and verse 21, you have hope. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Verse 2 And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from a throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Did you see that beautiful word again? Behold, the dwelling place or the tabernacle of God is with man. He will dwell with them just as he designed, just as he intended in the garden. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. But there's still verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away away. Death has died. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And if these words are trustworthy and true, then you and I have hope. Our longing will be fulfilled. Our burdens will be lifted. Our joys will be made full. We'll be reunited with our loved ones and our family in the faith. Do you know Jesus? If you have an ache in your soul, it's one of two things. It's either you don't know Jesus, then take these words as trustworthy and true. Because I would offer you, if these words are not trustworthy and true, guess what? You have no hope. But if these words are trustworthy and true, you have all the hope in the world and then some. Hope outside of this world. So the ache in your heart could be that you need to come to Jesus this morning. But for some of us, the ache in the heart is just a dashboard light that says, this thing Needs maintenance. This thing is broken. But the healer is coming back and he's going to put it all right. And these promises are trustworthy and true. About 10 years ago, my great uncle Sam passed away. My great uncle... And he suffered for quite a while as well in his last days. And in his last days, as just a few members of the family were gathered around Uncle Sam, in some of his last words, he whispered this. He said, there's another land and the bridge is out. There's another land there's a dwelling place with God and there's hope. And if you know God through Jesus, you can die with hope and you can live in peace. These words are trustworthy and true. You bow with me. I want to invite you this morning as we respond in song. If you need prayer this morning, if you're hurting, if you're aching, I want to invite you to come to the back. There'll be some of us with candles, and we would love to shoulder your burden and to pray with you for a decision, for a hurt, for a need. Let us be the body of Christ with you. If you need to pray and receive Jesus this morning, I invite you to come to the back as well. Take a step of faith. Let us pray with you. Confess, Jesus, these words are trustworthy and true. You came and died for my sin. You took my punishment. You've forgiven me of my sin. I want you in my life, and I want you to come back for me back and pray with us. Father God, the world would try to sell us and have us believe that some nicer, newer stuff would bring satisfaction to our hearts, that a better home or a cooler car or a couple more rings, rungs up the ladder or a different season of life would bring satisfaction. But it's not just the world, Lord, it's our own hearts as well that sometimes believe the lie that there's something more here that could somehow cure our broken heart. Oh, Father God, we thank you for these wonderful truths this morning. We thank you for this reminder today. We thank you for the trace of the garden that still is embedded in our memories. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the guarantee of the Holy Spirit, the good deposit that promises our future home and gives us a foretaste of your presence. Forgive us, God, for our forgetfulness Teach us to abide in Jesus. Remind us to dwell in fellowship with you daily, moment by moment, deeper and deeper, God. And God, for the promise of your coming perfect kingdom, we say thank you and we cry out, come Lord Jesus. In your beautiful name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.